O Lord, in thee have I trusted. Let me never be confounded. In the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Samuel had grown up before God from his earliest childhood. Honoured today by Jews, Christians and Muslims, he was a deeply godly man. He had led Israel as a prophet, priest and judge during challenging times, through the nation's defeat and occupation, and then following in its liberation through an extended period of peace. As he became older, Samuel appointed two of his sons as his successors, but they did not follow in his ways. With external threats looming, the elders of the nation decided that a more unified and central government was needed. And despite Samuel's sense of personal rejection and his attempts to persuade them otherwise, the elders demanded that Samuel appoint them a king, so that, as they said, they could be like other nations. So Samuel oversaw the choosing and the anointing of the very first king of Israel, Saul. But all did not go well. And the time came when it was clear that Saul's position was no longer tenable. The words which precede our first reading are these. Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house in Gilbeah of Saul. Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death, but Samuel grieved over Saul, and the Lord was sorry that he had made Saul king over Israel. There is nothing permanent except change, wrote the philosopher Heraclitus. Samuel had been through many changes over his life and his ministry, bereavements, national occupation, liberation. He had adjusted to his own changed role and he had played that significant part in creating a monarchy for Israel. Samuel had ridden many changes, but now he grieved. The Hebrew verb, the same form, is used when Jacob believed that his son Joseph had died. That word usually refers to the mourning rites for someone who has just died. <clears throat> but Saul lived yet. Samuel had anointed and guided Saul as that first king, and now he is mourning the loss of this long-term friendship, and perhaps his own sense of disappointment and failure in guiding Saul. Perhaps you know this daunting experience of transition, the need to find resources to reach forward into future possibilities. As those who study and work with transition tell us, because we like to live with, let's be honest, it's an illusion that we are in control, even positive changes can unsettle and disturb us. 
even plunging us into a melancholy which can take us unawares. There is much to be gleaned from our passages about responding to change and transition, but I want to highlight just one thing this morning. Staying open to the possibilities that God is shaping, especially when they may not look as we expect. A wise person has said that we struggle most with change when we fixate on what we have lost or fear that we will lose and forget to also focus on what will be gained. These two positions held in tension, grieving and hope, time to weep and mourn and time to laugh and dance as the writer of Ecclesiastes puts it, these two positions offer balance in times of change and transition. Samuel is asked to discern and anoint God's successor to Saul as king. It is no small matter and would carry great personal risk. It would also ask Samuel to look beyond his own expectations. As we heard, one after another of Jesse's sons are brought out. Yet it would be the youngest, the one deemed to be of so little account that Jesse had left him looking after the sheep. It would be this one who was God's choice. David, who would transition from sheepfold to royal palace. David, the watcher of the flock, who would compose perhaps the most well-known of all Hebrew scriptures, Psalm 23, which begins, the Lord is my shepherd. David, of whose line would come Jesus? His birth, generations later, would be announced to shepherds in these same fields, on these same hillsides above Bethlehem. Sometimes in the midst of change and transition, we do well to look for the unexpected treasure hidden in the field, that which may not fit our own assumptions and our own carefully laid plans. This is not about fatalism, but it is about remaining open to what God has in store. It's about refusing to let the sense of should and ought and might have been rob us of God's gifts when our plans turn out not to match reality. It's not the strongest of the species that survives, nor the most intelligent, said Charles Darwin. It is the one that is most adaptable to change. May God kindle in us the courage and trust which awakens our spirit to adventure, that holding nothing back we may find unexpected treasures. Words from the opening verse of our opening hymn. Send us, O God, your Holy Spirit, on your people gathered here, 
fill our lives with gentle courage. Let your love cast out our fear. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. <laughs>